Welcome to As We Live, a podcast aimed at helping you connect to the living God. Hello and welcome to this edition of As We Live. I'm so excited today to just uh, spend some time here with a man that I met who is a friend by now and kind of a world traveler, somebody that goes all over the place and does a lot of stuff in spiritual warfare. So we're just going to, uh, we're going to have a little bit of time here with Vaughn Martin, and everybody's going to welcome Vaughn Martin. Yes, 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 you can calm down now. And uh, Vaughn is going to tell us here a little bit about his life. He grew up locally here somewhere in Pennsylvania. Vaughn, where did you grow up at, or didn't you grow up yet? Yeah, still working on it. Um, but I, yeah, I grew up here in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. It's a couple miles from here. Okay, you went to school locally here. Yeah, Elizabethtown High School and Faith Mennonite High School. Awesome. So a lot of people around here probably recognize the name if they're old enough. But I won't tell them how old you are. So we'll just leave that go. Um, you kind of ended up running all over the world, and how how'd you end up in Europe? What's with being in Europe? Um. When I came out of college, I went to I went to Messiah College and uh, Cornell University. And when I graduated, I was really yeah, kind of seeking God's will for my life, trying to figure out what to do next. And I ended up uh, with all uh, even after going through college, I ended up just selling real estate and did that for two years. And it's kind of like uh, I, I really felt like I wasn't supposed to to focus too much on the real estate deals that I shouldn't count my chickens before they hatched. And, I, and I, uh, I struggled a while in the real estate business. And then after selling real estate for a year or two, there came a time where uh, I had a bunch of deals coming together and it looked like, hey, I'm going to make more money in the, next, uh, in the next month or two than I've made in my whole life. And I began kind of counting up, <laughs> counting up the money I would make. And then suddenly I felt uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to me and telling me that I had broken his word, I had broken his instruction. And immediately the phone started ringing and people started calling up and canceling the deals that they were scheduled to go through with. And in about an hour, I had lost just thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, I realized that it was God. I realized that his, it was him kind of messing up my uh, plans. And I went out in the field and began to pray. And just cried out to God, God, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I didn't, uh, that wasn't my, my intention, but I messed up. And as I was out there praying, I had a strong sense that he was speaking to me and telling me to leave everything, uh, to leave business, to leave everything I was involved in. And so it brings up a couple of questions and right go, away. And to go to Europe. Um, to me, like you, you said you went to college. What were you majoring in? I uh, I went to college looking for something I could use that would something that would be helpful, and I went from major to major, and I, I just couldn't f find anything. I, he I heard so much foolishness at Cornell in particular, uh, Cornell University. Um, I guess in my mind at the time, if I could go to you know one of the top schools, I could learn something that you could help change the world with. And I went there, and I was I was a lot in the social sciences. And I, every class I went to, I just heard what I considered absolute foolishness. And I came out with such a bad attitude towards education that I ended up selling real estate. What was your What was your earliest um, experience that you remember in life 
even growing up, like, like where does this, this thing about wanting to please God or wanting to walk with God, where'd that come from? Yeah, I grew up in Mennonite church. Um, I can't remember experiencing God's presence or hearing his voice uh, through my childhood. And uh, when I hit my teenage years, I would hear stories about what God was doing in other places, what was happening in Africa. You'd hear about the power of God and the miracles. And when I turned 18, I just went through a time of seeking, Lord, if you're there, I want to hear your voice. If it's real, if you're real, uh, please speak to me. And I, I went through that for about a year. And it was a year of praying every day, uh, you know, sometimes for up to an hour. And uh, I made plans to visit Africa. And I remember the night before I left, I was out in the field. It might have been at the Creation Music Festival or something. But anyway, I was out in a field, and suddenly I just felt this strong presence of God and him speaking to me and telling me that he loved me and that he was going to use me in Africa. And so I went to Africa. And in Africa, um, I had quite a few experiences as, as a young man. And we would start to take mission trips in Africa where we would uh, leave our money uh, behind and just get a one-way ticket and go with no money to preach the gospel into a remote village. And we'd pray for the sick and preach the gospel. On one of those trips, we, uh, we planted a church. And you really begin to see uh, the power of God, really begin to see his answers to prayer, and really begin for the first time to know 100% uh, that God's real. And this is this is pre college. This is pre college. Okay. When I was eighteen, nineteen, and uh, it was on one of those trips where I was traveling through Kenya. I went on a faith mission. We went with no money to a Muslim region of Kenya, and it didn't go the way I expected. And uh, it ended up. Be, it was about a six week trip with no money, uh, so we didn't have any 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 money at all. And, we're, and it didn't go the way I expected. The, on our previous trip, we had seen so many things happen, so many miracles, and so much of, of God's presence and power. And this trip, it just didn't come together. And I spent a lot of nights out in the field again praying. I seem to have these encounters with God outside at night in the fields. Um, uh, there's actually three of them in the story that I've already mentioned. And I was out in the field praying, and uh, the Lord spoke to me, and he told me to buy a piece of land in that town. And he told me that in the future, there would be Kenya would send many missionaries into the Muslim world. And he told me that we would have a missionary training school on that piece of land. And he told me that this missionary training school would be a very practical school, that whatever we taught in the classroom, uh, the teachers would have to practice it in the class. It would be kind of a school like where you go to class in the morning, and in the afternoons, you take what you learn and uh, you go out into the field and you, you practice it in the community, uh, a school in a Muslim community that everything you learn uh, you have to put into practice, and a school where the teachers would have to demonstrate what they're teaching. If they're going to teach about the power of God, they've got to demonstrate that power. If they're going to teach about Muslim evangelism, they've got to take the students out and show them how to evangelize effectively with Muslims. And uh, I was 19 years old, and the next day some Muslims offered to sell us a piece of land. And so, uh, yeah, I went, went ahead and bought the land. Um, that was, that was uh, just as I was leaving high school. And so I bought that piece of land, and then I stopped going to Africa. I'd gone to Africa on 
three or four or five trips. And then I stopped going to Africa and I went to college. And then I told you about college. I was at Messiah College for two years. And then I went to Cornell University where I got kind of disillusioned with academia. I came out and sold real estate for two years, which brings us back to the story I began with. Well, that just that fascinates me because if you were doing stuff like that in Africa, <laughs> I can see a small conflict looming between that kind of reality and what you're going to run into in academia. <clears throat> There's going to be a conflict there, and you're going to kind of have to make up your mind which way you're going to go with that. Yeah, absolutely. I remember... Uh yeah, I remember having long arguments with, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Carl Sagan, but he was a famous uh, <laughs> scientist. And I, I, he had a class of 20 students where he would hand select them. And I, I remember him just try, ripping apart uh, the Christian faith. And uh, I guess what impressed me was in, in, in that class, and even when it was being intent, Christianity was being intensely attacked, uh, there was never any doubt not even a, a little bit of doubt. I knew God was real. And I didn't, and I, you saw in academia just a spirit that just hated Christ. It wasn't rational. It wasn't scientific. It was just a hatred for God. Yeah, that, that kind of crops up even in today's world. So then you took off. You said, felt like God was trying to get you to just let go of everything. And yeah. So after that, after selling, felt him telling me to leave go of everything. And so I pulled out of, that that night, uh, there was there's actually three nights that we talked about where he met me. The the night that uh, there was a night that he I first met the Lord, and he told me to go to Africa. And in Africa, there was that night that he told me that we would be starting a missionary training school, and we bought the land and uh, just sat there. And then there was a night where my real estate deals fell apart, and he told me to leave everything and go to Europe. And uh, that was a very confusing time that was really a time of just leaving everything and saying lord uh, you tell me to go to europe but i don't know what to do i don't i don't i'm not i don't i don't even have uh, i'm not one of these guys that just has great people skills and connects easily and makes his way everywhere i'm kind of awkward and to find my way in europe was uh kind of daunting so i left business i left everything and there was a man who was there was a a man who was overseeing some churches in europe and he invited me uh, to come to europe and so I went, and uh, I went to Europe, went to Belgium, the capital of Europe. And again, the confusing <laughs> time was still there. I still didn't really know what I was doing. But I was in Europe, and after a while, I really, when I was praying, I really felt the Lord saying uh, that I was about to meet my wife. And my wife had showed up at the church about the same time I did. And uh, yeah, so I married Ilona, and she's a Belgian. And we've been in Europe ever since. Uh, my children are European. My oldest two daughters married European men in the last year or two. And my youngest is engaged to a, a European guy from Holland. And my two oldest are married to Belgians. And so I've been based in Europe ever since then. And we've pastored church. We've done different work in Europe. Um, and so then, how, how did you get involved in these schools? Okay, the Lord had spoken that to me when I was 19. And I went to Europe, and uh, Europe was a place of training. It was a place of a lot of prayer, a lot of study. And uh, there would even be times where I'd, I'd really feel the Holy Spirit instructing me, like, uh, you know, take a trip to Africa and pray for two weeks, and I'll speak to you about Africa. And he would, like, give me the outline of a book on Africa, which has become 
right now is one of our textbooks. Um, and so there would be different preparation in, in the Word of God, studying different topics, studying different things, where he would just slowly put pieces together. And then it was 2012. This, this is a long time after 2008, uh, 1989 when he spoke to me about Africa. 2012, uh, 89, 99, how many years is that? Um, that's 20, whatever, 23 years after he had spoken to me about starting a mission school. Um, I was praying for Belgium. I wanted to see breakthrough in Belgium. And I took a long time, an extended period of time, to pray and fast about Belgium because I wanted to see more breakthrough. Things were not moving in Europe the way I wanted them to move. And I had set aside some days to pray and fast, and I went to Germany to pray and fast. And uh, I was praying for Belgium. And on the last day of the fast, the Lord spoke to me clearly. And he said, remember that piece of land you bought when you were 19. He said, it's time to go to Africa and start the school. And so that was 2012. And how in the world do you start a missionary training school? And uh, it was amazing. Uh, there were just so many amazing connections uh, to bring things together. There were people that I would meet right before we started the school. Like I, I remember a week before we started the school, I really needed a course on foundational doctrine. And I met a guy who had spent his whole life just preparing a course on foundational doctrine. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, he's been part of the schools ever since. He comes in and trains for two or, two or three weeks on f just the foundations of the faith. And it helps to bring all the students together on the same, before you go into studying missions and other things, you just come kind of on the same page with just foundational doctrine. Get, get the foundation down, right. And, awesome. And there were just some other amazing connections, uh, ministries that honestly amaze me. There, there's people out there that have such an expression of the kingdom. They walk in such an expression of God's love and power, and a lot of them are unknown. And there's just some amazing, amazing people out there. We work closely with Alejandro Calendris from New England, and he's a guy that has just connections all over the world. Um, when I watch him in a Muslim country, maybe you're in a Muslim country, and, and, and he'll pray for the taxi driver, and the taxi driver will be healed. And before he leaves that country, there'll be 200 people gathered in that guy's house. Um, wow. And wow. just you'll have a movement's beginning. He has churches, uh, yeah, among the Taliban. He's got churches um, in all kinds of places. Um, there's times a while ago, I remember we were in one of these cartel neighborhoods in Central America where the cartels tell you when you're allowed to enter the neighborhood and when you're supposed to leave. And, of course, I'm a preacher, so we're preaching and holding our meetings. And when you're finished, you're tired, and you're sitting around eating pizza. But Alejandro disappears, and he's in the houses in this really dangerous neighborhood. And he's in the houses for a few more hours in the middle of the night. And after three hours, you hear people shouting, I can see, I can see. And in the houses, miracles were taking place, and people were coming to faith. Wow. So there's people that God connected us to that have been just tremendous blessing. When I look at the, the teachers uh, that he brought, you realize this is not something I'm trying to build. And we started a missionary training school, and I feel like God just gave us connections that are just amazing, just amazing people, amazing teachers, amazing giftings. And also in that first year, um, we didn't have students, of course, because no, we were just starting out. We were starting from nothing. And I went on a radio show in Africa, and so many students 
said, hey, I was praying, and God told me, you have to listen to this radio show, Hope FM, at this time. And I went to listen to the radio at that time, and I heard you speaking about the school, and I left everything to come and train to be a missionary. Wow. And so we had students coming uh, from around Kenya to be missionaries, to train to be missionaries. And the training was, uh, was very intensive. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a training where they're up at 4 or 5 in the morning, and it's a couple hours of prayer, and then it's classroom work where you're studying about uh, you're studying about Islam, um, Islamic evangelism. You're studying about church planting. You're studying about spiritual gifts. You're studying about the foundations of the faith, and then every day you're going out and preaching the gospel in a Muslim community. And I remember that first year, we started to face a lot of intimidation. Uh, from some of the Muslims, and the students came and said, Vaughn, we have to stop preaching or somebody's going to get hurt, somebody's going to get killed. And I said, fine. I said, you can stop, you can stop. You can come back to the school. But I said, for three weeks, I'd like you guys, I'd like three of you uh, to pray through three hours in the night. And I'd like you to pray for two things. I'd like you to pray for miracles, and I'd like you to pray for boldness. But for three weeks, you can stop preaching the gospel. And so I would go and check on them. And I remember going to the, the school, and I'd find the entire school praying from midnight until morning. And they weren't just praying an hour or two. The whole school would be praying through the night, Lord, give us miracles and give us boldness. And then after three weeks, we sent them back out to preach the gospel. And this time they were faced with real intimidation, with real threats, with mob violence. And they came back so pumped up. They were so excited. And the, from that, it's like that fear and intimidation had been stripped away. And from that moment, they began to say, Vaughn, don't send us to these Muslims in Kenya. We, we want to go to Somalia. We want to go to the hardest places on earth. And that desire, wow. that desire to be sent, that desire to, to go to really difficult places. <clears throat> uh, really really engage. They really wanted to engage. Yeah, so it was just a, I just saw a change of heart in our students and just saw this hunger to uh, to go where nobody else wants to go. And so I, you you end up coming back here. Then there's another couple school stories there in South America and stuff too. We might get to that a little bit later. But you end up coming back here and starting to write books. Yeah, the, a lot of these books are actually curriculum. Uh, we have the book Open Heavens. That would be our course on spiritual warfare that we teach our students. Um, that would be, in my opinion. Probably the best book I have ever read in my life on just the basic idea of what spiritual warfare is about. Because there's, there's so many um, ideas and people throwing things around this and that and the other thing. And we need to map, we need to do this, we need to do that. And I'm not necessarily here decrying everybody else's approach. I know everybody's going to kind of have their own approach. but But when I actually look at what is biblical number one and number two what actually changes people and communities and yeah um i i felt like that was about the most down-to-earth practical thing that i've ever read on spiritual warfare so i really appreciated that one that's the the uh, even just the title open heavens because at the end of the day that's what you're after is an open heaven that's right and so I just feel like the Lord gave us certain ways of ministering in Muslim communities, certain ways of training students, and uh, he would just kind of download it to us and show us, hey, this is, this is how I want you to do it, as we'd study the Word and pray together. 
And so the books, a lot of the books came out of that. Uh, there's eight books I wrote that are used as part of the school curriculum. And uh, there's some other books, but there, there's eight that are, we use as, as curriculum. And then we have t- a lot of other teachers bringing in their own materials. But, uh, but personally, I really felt instructed to write certain books uh, for the curriculum. And uh, again, it's just you, you feel the Lord directing it. You feel him kind of giving it as an assignment. Uh, write a book on spiritual warfare. Write, you know, write a book. Um, write a book well, we, we pray, you know, we pray to the God who knows everything. And the one who is before time and after time, he knows the future and he knows the past. Um, and then sometimes we act like he doesn't exist. <laughs> but he knew, you know, he knew way back there when you were 18 that he was getting ready to do a huge stir- stirring in the whole Muslim community worldwide, especially in the Middle East. Like there's there's so many things shaken up right now, even with that earthquake in Turkey and all the things that, that are around that. There's been so many people turning to Christ in just from from dreams and visions and and all kinds of miracles and all you know missionaries coming in and local pastors and evangelists it's it's just an amazing thing and he knew that back then and he started preparing you and preparing a school I find that amazing yeah I mean the harvest is plentiful uh, the laborers are few ready the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into his harvest fields. Um, there, there's a, when I read uh, the book of Revelation, some people see a lot about the beast. I, I see so many prophecies about the harvest and about this. Uh, there's a great, Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age. And you have the wheat and the tares. You got this evil harvest and you have this good harvest uh, where nations reap what they've sown. But I believe there's an opportunity uh, to be part of some of the most significant events of all of history. Uh, there's an opportunity. Maybe some of your listeners are Anabaptist, and uh, you look at this when you think of God working through the centuries and working, putting pieces together o- over the millennia, and you think that He has a purpose uh, for each group person in each group, and He has a purpose for the Anabaptists. And uh, one thing He showed us clearly was this uh, this move of God that will come in the Anabaptist groups that will be so wholehearted. It'll be a harvest of the fire that was there at the beginning. And at the beginning, you had men and women who were so faithful to the call and so faithful to the Lord that they gave their lives. And when you read the Martyr's Mirror and you read some of these, you read about people that just, uh, just a, a burning inside them. Hey, I'm going to do God's will. I'm going to preach his word no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he showed us that there's a harvest of that. And the harvest is greater than the seed. There's a there's a move coming that is so wholehearted and so radical uh, that it's almost frightening, and it's it's more than anything we've tasted. It's more than anything. I, I mean, I, we, I'm I'm sure we've both ministered in a lot of Anabaptist circles. Um, certainly, you more than me. Um, but there's something coming that's greater, and I can say it's it's the exact opposite of what people know the Anabaptist as. Uh, people know the Anabaptist as the quiet in the land. We just live out our good example. We live out our good lives. We have our farms. And in some areas, we're actually a tourist attraction. People come mm-hmm. to look how, how beautiful our farms are and how beautiful our religion is. Um, but we don't preach the gospel. We just live a good example. But faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And if the gospel is not preached, nobody gets saved. And 
our weapon is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The gospel has mm-hmm. to be preached. And I believe that when, as God stirs up his calling, like I say, what's coming is so wholehearted. And I believe there'll be a mission movement out of the Anabaptists. Um, I believe specifically there's a move go- coming into Europe. Um, I kind of pulled out of Europe, and I really felt the Lord speaking to me that the teams for Europe would come out of the Anabaptists in America. That's South just America. that fascinates me because probably twenty some odd years ago, when I was getting kind of upset with things in general, um, I ran across a man named Art Katz who was a Jewish um, believer, right. and he told me the same thing. Did he really? And uh, it it actually radically affected the direction of my life, and then. Uh, Gene Edwards, who is one of the most popular uh, Christian authors in the last hundred years, um, he he uh, told me the same thing. What did Art say specifically? Uh, Art said that I asked him why why he was connected to some of the. He had a whole bunch of Anabaptist books in his house, and I said, "What are you doing with those books? You're not an Anabaptist. What are you doing with the books?" And he said, um, "If you would understand." Uh, God's economy, you wouldn't ask that question. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, in God's economy, whatever is sown in dishonor is raised in honor, and whatever is sown in blood is raised in glory. And he said, this movement was sown in dishonor and blood and has never been raised, and there will be a resurrection. Amen. Amen. So that, that actually really affected the direction of my life, like where I felt like God wanted me to go and what direction he wanted me to take, so... Anyway, where can people? Uh, you have another book about. Uh, what are some of the others? You got one about Jezebel. Yeah, we have a Jezebel would be a book about the spiritual warfare specifically in America. Okay. And uh, and so that's about that's kind of applying uh, the book on open heavens. It's applying those lessons into the American context. Okay. Um, there's about. Yeah, there's quite a list of books. Um, I wrote a book, which is a study of the book of Revelation, looking at, uh, it's called The Overcomers. Okay. And that looks at the harvest. It looks at the certain themes through the book of Revelation. And it's one of the courses that we teach in our school. Um, There's a book called The Judgment Seat of Christ um, Mm -hmm. that's also available. And that's also a course. And today, a lot of churches, they focus on salvation, how to get into heaven. Mm-hmm. But Jesus taught and taught about the reward system of heaven, about those who are great in the kingdom of heaven. And he taught about the day when we give an account uh, for every word that we've spoken. And uh, a lot of those teachings kind of get left by the wayside. Uh, and so it's just a book focused on the judgment seat of Christ, uh, which is a topic I believe is extremely important. And I believe it's kind of been shoved aside. Love it. Where can people get a hold of them? All these books are on Amazon. Uh, okay. So you can just, if you type in my name, Vaughn Martin, or uh, or the title of any of these books, um, you should be able to find it. So Vaughn, V-A... V-A-U-G-H-N, Martin. Vaughn Martin. And they can find, uh, they can actually find you on Facebook, too, if they want to, and connect with you there. Or they can uh, go and get some of these books, especially the Open Heavens I mean, all of them are really good. I've I've haven't got all the way through the judgment seat of Christ yet, but I know we've had a lot of discussions about it. I would love to go into um, uh, backstory a little bit and try and figure out where we met because I can't even remember that anymore. But <laughs> right now, for for uh, the time being, we're going to wind this up. God bless each one of you. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks Vaughn for being here and sharing. 
about your life and where God's taking you and, and looking into the future. I'm excited about what God's going to do with you in the future. Go ahead for the closing comment. Yeah, thank you. Um, great to be here. It's been wonderful to see what's happening uh, with your ministry and all the all the things the Lord's doing uh, in the Anabaptist communities of North America and uh, Central America. So, yeah, it's been a privilege. Amen. Well, God have his way. God bless you. Thank you for listening to As We Live. To submit questions, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at As We Live Podcast. <laughs>